Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Started for me on the streets of Baghdad uh, back in 2007. And at that point, we're engaged by that enemy sniper in a complex ambush. It was myself and uh, Staff Sergeant Marlon Harper. A, a bullet actually passed through him, uh, severed his aorta and then ricocheted into my upper right thigh and severed my femoral artery. Uh, but when that feeling hit my chest, I, I, I consciously knew that that was it. I took my last breath, uh, said my last thought, and died. The book I found on the shelf, The Beauty of a Darker Soul by Joshua Montz, curious to me. I looked at the website quickly and I read its overview, which sounds like this. This is a journey of finding beauty within darkness. Former Army Major Josh Montz reaches into the deepest corners of the human soul to expose the most difficult emotions associated with traumatic experiences. Montz was shot and killed by a sniper on the streets of Baghdad and flatlined for 15 minutes. I got about that far into the description of the book, and I realized this is not only a book I need to read, but somebody I need to talk to because uh, there's some life lessons and there's something to be gained from the conversation you're about to hear for everybody, whether you're a veteran, whether you're just a person who's at a crossroads in your life and and, and needs a little inspiration. This is going to be a shot in the vein. This is going to be something great, and this is going to be something that you're going to want to listen to, and uh, you'll probably replay again because I think the lessons we're going to learn on this journey are going to be worth it. Joining me on the phone is the author, Josh Montz. Welcome to Vet Story, my friend. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. I've talked to warfighters in the past, and, you know, I always say, especially to my friends that, that hear this podcast, you know, this isn't just for the military people. We're not going to be all oorah, and this isn't like a, you know, typical... Uh, SEAL Team TV show where we're going to go through, you know, the adrenaline pumping crisis and have it all resolved in 30 minutes or less. You know, this is is so individual. And yours, yours, man, I got to say, let's just jump right into it. It took me on a journey. I couldn't believe somebody had actually gone through. But share with me a little bit about where we start with you, sir. It's a beautiful thing uh, when we can take uh, extremely adverse experiences from our past and and be able to translate them in a way that make a positive difference in the lives of others. Uh, and that's what I've been very fortunate to be able to, to do. Um, but that started for me on the streets of Baghdad uh, back in 2007 uh, when I got shot uh, and killed by an enemy sniper. We were actually on a, a humanitarian type of patrol uh, in conjunction with the Iraqi police, handing out school supplies and clothing to kids. Uh, and that part went really well. Uh, but about an hour later, we were diverted to another part of the sector uh, to investigate an attack that just happened. 
And as we were doing that, we were on the ground, and at that point, we're engaged by that enemy sniper in a complex ambush. For those that can't quite visualize it, you could be on one block doing something with school children and the local elected officials and the neighbors and, and grabbing a bite to eat at a market or something, and then two blocks over, stuff was going down. You know, bullets were flying, people yep. were fighting. And this took place in Seder City? No, Baghdad? Yep, this was in northeastern Baghdad, close to Sadr City, um, kind of at the height of the surge. Mm. It was myself and uh, Staff Sergeant Marlon Harper uh, who were on the ground in the immediate vicinity. Right. Uh, a, a bullet actually passed through him, uh, severed his aorta, exited out of his chest, and then ricocheted into my upper right thigh and severed my femoral artery. You know, to, to kind of visualize that, a lot of people may have seen the movie Black Hawk Down, uh, where, where they actually show a scene of a, of a soldier who was, uh, had a severed femoral artery, and they were trying to clamp that artery off. Uh, and that's, that's precisely the situation that, that my 19-year-old medic faced uh, on the ground that day. And, in fact, we lost you, sir. Josh, you weren't even with us for a while. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's amazing what the human body does uh, in, in uh, physically traumatic experiences like this. You know, and, and initially I started to experience a lot of really bizarre physiological symptoms, you know, slow motion time, fast motion time, uh, auditory distortion, and that I could only hear the muted sound of the sniper rifle and my own voice calling for a medic. Uh, but over the next 20 or 30 minutes or so, uh, I, I can literally feel myself starting to die. And you know, when you're, when you're dying of blood loss, you're essentially suffocating uh, because there's no oxygen being delivered uh, to the organs. And, and what the body will actually do is it try to pull the remaining blood it has into the chest cavity in order to protect those vital organs. And I could actually feel that happening. Uh, so there's a blood creeping sensation that, that started moving up through my legs and in my thighs. And as all the blood left, it cramped up and became numb. And then that blood creeping sensation moved through my stomach and it became numb. Uh, you know, by that point, it, it, it was also the first point where I realized the injury was getting out of control. And, uh, you know, the best way I can describe that is uh, it, it, was, it was not a physical pain, uh, but more of an anaerobic pain as if you're running wind sprints around a track and can't stop. Uh, and as horrific as that might sound, it, it uh, you know, we're about a, a minute from the point of actual death at this point. That's also when uh, things started to transcend a little bit and change. Um, and emotionally at that point, you know, I, I, although life didn't flash before my eyes, uh, I, I do believe that what was most important to me was revealed in those final moments. And, uh, you know, instinctively, I just started to repeat three names in my mind over and over again uh, for the last minute of my life. And that was my mom and my two sisters. Uh, but when that feeling hit my chest, I, I, I consciously knew that that was it. I took my last breath, uh, said my last thought and died. Can I ask at that moment, did you see, I mean, you know, we always hear the reports of the white light and, you know, of, the, you know, all these kind of things images of the heavens and the Lord and all that stuff. Right. You're one of the rare people I've ever heard have such a lucid description of that final moment. What happened between you waking up in a hospital and that last breath? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I didn't have uh, what you might call an, an out-of-body experience. I didn't see a white light. Um, in fact, I, I don't have recollection of the 15 minutes that I was out. Uh, however, what, what I did experience, I think, was maybe even more profound uh, because I know I was still conscious for it. And, and that was literally in the last second or two, uh, you know, literally as I was taking my last breath and transitioning from life to death. And the only way that I can describe that feeling is uh, a feeling of absolute and complete surrender uh, to something much greater than ourselves. And, and through that surrender came an overwhelming sense of peace. It, 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 it's like every good, every bad, every positive, every negative, every doubt, every hope, everything just vanished. And it, it was as if the spirit becomes part of everything and nothing at the same time. And, you know, because of that, like, truly, the, the, the moment of my death was the most peaceful experience of my life. As unusual as it seems to be talking about death, the way you've just said that does even feel peaceful. That description right there. I mean, that is just, a, I know in so many ways that's going to make so many people's days. Now, that's kind of the beginning of where this whole thing starts because now there's work to do and now there's the things that you have been doing. So um, quickly, we uh, do wake up in a hospital and share with me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's quite amazing. Uh, you know, I, I, I literally knew that I was dead, right? And that's the last thing that I remember. Um, but but what happened afterwards was, was just absolutely heroic on the part of the medical team. Uh, in addition to a lot of very strange things happening that day, you know, I, I woke up about two days later, roughly in the green zone uh, to learn that I had flatlined for 15 minutes straight. And, and to kind of put that in perspective for people, um, you know, typically uh, the, the general standard where most physicians call it on a patient is somewhere around the six minute mark. Um, and and that's, that's because that's the point where catastrophic brain damage starts to set in. Uh, after a flatline and something prompted that medical team to keep going for 15 minutes. Um, the defibrillator paddles that they used to shock me back to life literally came in that morning and, and they, they had to use them. Or they had to take them out of the plastic to use them on me. Um, you know, just a perfect vascular surgery in the green zone, 30 units of blood. They were pulling people off the base it was just a flawless effort to save the life of the soldier and, and a true testament to teamwork. Um, you know, and, and oddly enough, had no trace of brain damage when I woke up. And, and that might even be the true miracle of this whole thing. Um, I was evacuated back to Walter Reed Army Medical Center, uh, where I recovered for about four months and then uh, volunteered to go back and rejoin my team uh, to finish that deployment which is a whole whole other story in and of itself with a lot of embedded things in it. Yeah, and uh, I think I would have recommended, you know, a psyche eval because who wants to go back <laughs> into the war zone after cheating a most certain death? And this is where we'll get into kind of your mission now to sort of learn from that, to uncover those emotions and to do something useful with them. You know, it, it actually occurred very soon after this injury. Um, you know, I was serving as a, I, I stayed in the military for quite some time, years afterwards, and uh, was serving as a general's aide back in 2009. 
And, and that's the time where the Department of Defense was really starting to get serious about psychological health. You know, there were huge spikes in emotional trauma and depression and, and suicide and divorce rates. Uh, and from the Secretary of Defense on down, there was a massive push to really start to reduce stigma and increase access to care. And, and, and kind of from an example of leading from the front, uh, myself and a couple other officers, senior non-commissioned officers, uh, actually starting to go on the speaking circuit uh, to share our own experiences, which would hopefully give other people permission to do the same. And that's how this all started back in 2009. Now, you may notice that's only, you know, it's less than two years from the point of the injury. And what I didn't know yet, the very deep lessons I had to learn along this journey uh, are, are that I, I didn't even begin to process what really happened. And uh, as, as deep of an understanding of trauma as I thought I had, you know, right. based on the clinical perspective at the time, I really started to under, uncover the, the deeper truths behind trauma. And that really impacts the work that I do today. And that is probably where you got the inspiration or that is probably the lessons that you documented learning in the book, The Beauty of a Darker Soul. Well, you know, The Beauty of a Darker Soul was written for anyone uh, of any background. You know, trauma, as you were saying earlier, trauma doesn't discriminate. It, it comes in many shapes and forms and impacts all of us from every walk of life. And even though the nature of our experiences can be very different person to person, the, the emotions that manifest from them can be very similar. Uh, especially when we look at it through the lens of deeper moral wounds, like abandonment, betrayal, guilt, and shame. And it's these types of emotions that, that have the power to connect us at the very core of the human experience, if we have the strength to try to reach out and resonate with other people. The purpose of this book, even though the, my military experiences are used as a vehicle uh, to do this, my biggest encouragement for anyone reading it is to look at it through your own lens. In essence, this book is designed to give people permission to look at their own experiences and, and acquire the strength to either begin or renew their own healing process. You mentioned here that it says trauma isn't always what it seems. Very true. You know, I, I was um, one of the most difficult parts of carrying this, this kind of profound near-death experience story is that it, it became a distraction from the deeper issues that were involved. And as, as we talked about earlier, you know, with the exception of losing Marlon Harper, of course, uh, that near-death experience was actually quite a positive thing in, in many different ways. One of the more positive experiences of my life. You know, but because I didn't really have anything else to point to, right, and right. because I wasn't looking at the situation in depth, that became sort of the shield that I was hiding behind. And when it, when it comes to trauma, you know, it was, it was things that you and I experienced throughout life on a regular basis. You know, it was my father dying when I was seven years old. It was the totality of the deployment to Baghdad. It was the powerlessness of living with an incurable immune disorder, Crohn's disease. Uh, it was abandonment in relationships. It was divorce. It was financial distress. Right? And, and, you know, bottom line here is what is, what is psychological trauma? And the way I define it is it is a situation or event in our lives that fundamentally disrupts the way we believe the world should work. 
And, and when our perception of the world gets flipped upside down, it can really begin to compromise who we think we are as human beings. And, and that, right, that is the journey to transformation, is being able to uh, journey within ourselves to uncover the truth and then fight our way back out stronger and wiser. Wow. Outstanding. And as you say that, I'm thinking in my own mind of all the dents and dings that, you know, that I've incurred over the years and that everyone has, you know, there was uh, tough relationships, death of loved ones, uh, dealing with uh, sickness or disease as it may have affected ourselves or someone close that we love. Um, yeah. We're all a little banged up. I mean, the earth doesn't right. <laughs> leave you without some uh, dents and dings. And then you'd mentioned here in this next one uh, that healing is a journey and it's not a fixed point in time. So now that we've identified or that you can identify kind of some of the root causes of what may be your personal traumas, um, that there's a trip to go on now. All of us are on a journey. You know, the, the, pro probably the most profound mistake that I made in the past is thinking that I had this whole thing beat, you know? And, and as I say again, you know, guilt and shame are some of the most complex and damaging emotions out there. And I, I really describe them as being like a form of cancer. You know, I'd, at the beginning, you know, guilt kind of infects the deepest corners of our soul, but we're at stage one and we don't even know how it's impacting us or don't even really know it's there. Yet before long, we're at stage four and we're in crisis. You know, and, and, and as we move through life and, 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 and try to suppress our prior experiences without resolving them, it's almost like we're trying to build a house on a cracked foundation. You know, if we, if we keep trying to push forward and if we keep building the house and if we keep ignoring the crack, we never really know what type of situation or event is going to cause it to collapse at some point. Hmm. You know, and, and, and you know, I've, I, I actually get the question quite frequently you know, at what point did you realize that you were through this, that, that you overcame this, right? And, and the best way that I can answer that question is, is almost to not answer it. <laughs> you know, it, but, but because the, the, the most important thing I've acquired is, is, is almost the sense of surrender again. The surrender that I experienced at the point of death. It took almost 10 years to come full circle to this and to be able to do the same thing consciously, right? Uh, understanding that healing is a journey. It's never a fixed point in time. Transformation is a journey. It's never a fixed point in time. Yeah, I, I once had a pastor tell me similarly that surrender, as in surrender to the Lord, would be to let go of the wheel. You're still in the car, but you're not trying to drive, man. You're not trying to steer it. You're just letting go. Right. And it's so liberating when you can do that. And realize that, you know, it's not a fixed point in time. It's not a graduation. It's not, you know, do this and this and this for 60 days and done. With that, you talk a little bit about uh, vulnerability. And I was surprised to hear you say that uh, vulnerability is a weapon or is a powerful weapon. What does that mean? Vulnerability is what has the power to really connect us as human beings at the very core of our experiences. You know, what's, what's interesting as I look back on the 10-year journey since this injury, right, and the, and the entire emotional journey that ensued is, is, is that many of the people uh, who resonated most closely with me during that time in my life and even today uh, did not necessarily come from a military background, you know, as many people would assume. Uh, they, they came from every walk of life, 
sometimes in the most unexpected of places. You know, there were investment bankers and entrepreneurs. They were black. They were white. They were gay. They were straight men and women. But they were all people who at some point in their lives were exposed to the darker side of human nature. And, and it's, it's through their strength of, of, of being vulnerable. You know, when they had the courage to approach, I had to have the courage to listen. It, it's that connection at the very core, that human connection that can dispel the sense of isolation that's so crippling in the post-trauma states. Which leads me to another tenant that you have as far as uh, the things you can gain from this book, The Beauty of a Darker Soul, Trust in the Power of Human Connections. We need to be mindful of that as we interact with our, whether it's therapists or whether it's our friend that's trying to be good and care for us and help us with a random phone call. What does that exactly mean? Trust in the power of human connection. These conversations we're having right now, like when it comes to our deepest, darkest moments, they're very uncomfortable things to discuss. You know, it takes a lot of courage to be able to bring these conversations to the forefront. You know, especially in a culture where we kind of, attach ourselves to archetypal images of success and sort of ignore everything else, right? Yet it's, it's, it's very important uh, to try to develop our, what I call emotional plasticity, right? Our, our ability to operate within the spectrum of emotions that we experience. You know, one isn't more important than the other. The positive ones aren't, are better necessarily than the negative ones. And our ability to really um, navigate through that is, is what gives us the ability to really strengthen ourselves and transform over time. Even though transformation is an internal process, it's not a journey that we need to take alone. And, and sometimes the perspective that we gain from other people can be enough to dislodge us from the past. Wow, dislodge us from the past. Love that, brother. That is so, that is good. Uh, the last tenant uh, is suffer productively. Suffering yeah. <laughs> is what I want to cure. I want to get rid of suffering so I feel better about my life, so that the PTSD, so that the TBI, so that the, uh, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's the you know loss of a loved one, whatever the problem is I'm dealing with, I, I don't want to suffer anymore. But you're saying there's a productive way to do it. Well, you know, there, there's a world-renowned psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor named Viktor Frankl uh, who said in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, that without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. And that the suffering we endure throughout life gives us ample opportunity to derive greater meaning in our lives. So suffering is a part of life, it's a universal process. Right? But as I said, it's not a process we need to undergo alone. About two years ago, I was actually shadowing uh, a, a group therapy session in Monterey, California with a therapist named Laurie Galperine. And after that session, Laurie turned to me and said, Josh, I really believe the role of a therapist is to help people suffer productively as opposed to allowing them to suffer in vain. And you're never going to find a more grounded definition of what therapy is, of what friendship is, what expert companionship is than this. All right, we, we, we all undergo suffering throughout our lives, right? But, but if we try to ignore it, right? It's going to start steering us. You know, if I can't understand the emotions that are going on inside my body, my emotions are in control of me, right? If I can't understand why there are intrusive thoughts running through my mind, then my mind is in control of me, right? So, so sometimes uh, it's important to lean in 
having the courage uh, to go within ourselves to understand these things, to face the truth, takes more courage to do that than it does to set foot on any battlefield. Josh Montz, The Beauty of a Darker Soul, Overcoming Trauma Through the Power of Human Connection. Uh, this is literally like a blanket for your mind, body, and soul to wrap up in it. And <laughs> I, I, I know so many people, and I mean this sincerely, I know so many people in my life right now that can use this. And the world, I think the world needs this, especially as argumentative as the damn world seems. Every time I look at Facebook or the news, uh, so many people dealing with their demons and acting out negatively. And we're just hating on each other. And everybody's all banged up and nobody gets why. And ain't nobody dealing with it. And you've given us a little yeah. bit of a, uh, a little bit of hope here and kind of a roadmap, I assume, with this book uh, to go through some of the tenets that we discussed and to sort of your own meaning out of what you've written here based on your personal experiences, which are seriously dramatic and incredible. So glad you made it to the other side, and I'm glad you're here with us, brother. Talk to me about a little bit what's on your horizon. What are you up to lately? What are you doing? Sure. So I'm, I'm uh, and I appreciate that summary. Thank you. I, you know, and, and, and thanks for bringing this, this discussion into the forefront of what you're doing. Um, but yeah, my, my company, Darker Souls LLC, uh, part of what I do is obviously professional speaking. I'm all over the country, all over the world, uh, kind of giving talks that disrupt the way people think about trauma and, and, and really having these discussions and bring them to the forefront. Very cool. And I'm looking forward to your mission statement coming true because it states by 2030, Darker Souls will eliminate the barriers surrounding psychological trauma in order to facilitate nationwide universal access to transformation and growth. I'm going to dumb that down and put it in an Oprah Winfrey kind of quote, but hopefully by 2030, everybody that has this book, you're going to heal everybody. You get some healing, and you get some healing, and you get some healing, and everyone's going to have the tools they need to do it better. Uh, hell of a book, man. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, brother. You know, the, the only uh, we can only ultimately heal ourselves. Uh, I couldn't think of a better reason uh, to kind of put this second life to use. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of meaning behind it for me and, and I'm uh, you know fortunate to be able to do this work. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure. Now, you can find The Beauty of a Darker Soul, Overcoming Trauma Through the Power of Human Connection on Amazon and basically everywhere you find books. You can also see some really cool videos on his website, which is darkersouls.com. Now, no matter where you are on your personal journey or if you have yet to start one, we're glad you took us along for the ride. For Vet Story, I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again on ConnectingVets.com. Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.